It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Chris Doris, welcome to the show. Welcome to become your own superhero, baby. Oh man, Laban, it's so great to be with you, brother. Do we call you Chris Doris, CD, Botanus? What is it these days? I'm going with CD. We'll call you CD. CD, I got a, I got a really tricky question. I got, I don't know how I'm going to talk to about, talk to you about this. Who is, who is this less better person? Who's less better? Talk about in your book, the book of mental toughness mantras. To do less, less better. I don't oh, know who this person okay, is. Okay, <laughs> call me off guard. <laughs> yeah, do less better. So be better. <laughs> I was like, I'm a married man. <laughs> I thought you were going to. I thought you were talking about someone named Less. <laughs> <laughs> so Less Better is going to be watching this podcast. You know, yeah, yeah. some guy called and going, "What the hell is that?" Mr. Less Better, Mr. Less Better. <laughs> it's a great name, Less. If you're watching, Listen. that is great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Less so yeah, is more. Less better. You know, uh, one of the, actually not one of the most lucrative discipline that I've ever incorporated into my life and my vocation. I learned from Steve Chandler, the godfather of coaching, and it's slowing down. I work with so many busy like like crazy busy executives sales team leaders and you know multi-billion dollar international companies that have meetings smushed up against a meeting smushed up against the next meeting and the next one that's their damn life yeah and they're harried you know and burnt somewhere good and crispy and, you know, that, that whole paradigm, that whole methodology of scheduling really started, I think, with the pandemic, right? Everybody going digital and then doing all these Zoom meetings. But then, but then the, the logic behind the approach, which is meeting smushed up, like literally with not one, not one minute in between, it's still going on. Uh, and the, the logic behind it, the belief there's no logic behind it the belief behind it which is erroneous is that that would maximize productivity <laughs> as if the irony 
Well, I mean, just think it, it's, it's infinite irony, right? Because like how present is somebody when they're looking at a clock, knowing that they got three minutes to finish this meeting, they're not prepared for the next one. Are they even listening to any, are they present in any way? Hell no. And then they're late for the next one. And, and they didn't have any time for any mental reset, not even to, to sit, not like a sandwich, nothing, you know? Uh, and that, so the paradox, of course, is that productivity is unbelievably compromised, unbelievably compromised by trying to do so much more. I was a licensed therapist at one point in my career. And the training there is uh, to fill your calendar. Make as much money as you can, fill as many hours up. And a, and a clinical hour is 50, five zero minutes. And then you got 10 minutes to do your notes before you go out into the waiting room and say, next up. So like, can you imagine working with people on that level for, for eight hours? No, like I, I can't. Tell people that, <laughs> no, right. Like how, how, how useful, how empathetic, how compassionate, how interested even was I at 4 p.m.? My 4 p.m. client, I apologize to all you 4 p.m.s in my past because I ain't worth shit. You know, I tell people if you're going to a therapist, be the first appointment of the day because <laughs> they're going to get crispy if they're doing that. And the belief, again, behind it is, you know, more is better. So, uh, <clears throat> slowing down, do less, better. You know, like, Coach for coaches, coach fewer people, do it better. Have fewer appointments per day and do them amazing, doing better. You know, like often the, the fastest way to something is by slowing down and getting into quality, being driven by quality, mastery, mastery. You know, there's a great book. You ever, ever, tell me if you ever heard of, of or read this book, Zen and the Art of Motorcycle Maintenance by Robert Piercig. I've heard of it. I sure as hell haven't read it, though. <laughs> I think you would love it, man. I'm looking at it right now. It's on my um, bookshelf over there. I've read it several times. Uh, I read it freshman year in college. We needed to. We had to. And I'm glad. I'm so glad. Dr. Nelvin Voss was my English teacher who had us read that. And he really slowed it down for us. And it's a, it's a book about a guy that travels across country on his motorcycle. And he takes the motorcycle apart constantly, puts it back together for the sake of doing it and doing it well and making sure that the motorcycle is in pristine condition, operating wonderfully. And people would be, get confused. And he's like, because there's pieces of the motorcycle all over the ground. And they're going, what, what was wrong with it? And he goes, oh, nothing. <laughs> what, what are we doing? Taking care. You know, getting into quality. So that's that's what Mr. Less More, Less Better, sorry, Less Better. Less More, that's why that guy's a total <laughs> paradox. Less More, idea. you don't even want to talk to that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, uh, it's it's not your first book. 
won't be your last. The Book of Mental Toughness Mantras is a very, very easy read. And damn, it's good. I just reread it in preparation for this, right? Nice. And thank you for um, sending me a copy, which arrived at the house in Salt Lake uh, just after I left. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, US Postal Service. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. Um, but the household have access to it, and I believe at least one person's had a read. So there's, there's okay. the reason why. So there's so many things, so, so many directions we could talk about. I've got to give you a public shout out. It's outrageous that we haven't had you on the show earlier. I don't know why that hasn't happened. I think the universe is, was waiting. You are directly responsible for the world's best courage coach being created and the associated world's best movement, which, ha which has evolved, spawned from that. Oh. So thank you from the bottom of my heart and the countless people that have been impacted as a result of that experience. That is, uh, you just made my day, brother. It was already the best damn day of my life. <laughs> I was going to ask you, how's your day, Chris? <laughs> yeah, well, it, was, it was the best damn day of my life, and now it's bester. The best of damn day of your life. Uh -huh. Do you want to hear some of the cool stuff that's happened? I mean, I know you're aware of some of the stuff, but... Of course. I'm just going to say this, because this is true. One of, the, one of our colleagues in the uh, Ultimate Coach group, uh, for the audience that are listening, there's a, a Facebook group called the Ultimate Coach Group. We encourage you to join that. It's a free group that will better your life. There's a young guy called Coach Ranjan who's putting on an event in India. And that came about, in his words, off the back of him and I being on a call. I don't even know what we got on the call. It's just one of those things that happen. You want to connect with like-minded people. Oh. And he, he had a dream of meeting Steve Hardison, which is why you and I know each other. And uh, I said, well, let's call them up. And we just called them up. And now there's, I think, 500 people flying into M Mumbai from all around the world in February next year. I'm going. And I think that's pretty cool. <laughs> what do you reckon? What do you reckon? I think that's absolutely fantastic. <clears throat> I think that's, that's beautiful. Yeah, I know, who, I know Ranjan. And uh, yeah, that's going to be profound. I have some friends in India that I'm strongly encouraging to be in attendance. I don't know really where I was going with that. I wanted to maybe give you an opportunity to share any experiences you've had that align with these type of happenings. Anything else that's happened in your life from the time that we last spoke? Anything of any significance that you wanted to share? Well, I mean, you know, I'm not saying this in a self-promotional way. I, I, I not, there's, I've created nothing in my life that I'm more proud of than the book that you referenced a, a minute ago. And like, this isn't, I wasn't coming into this call expecting, I didn't even know where we we're going. Uh, sure as hell didn't have the agenda. I didn't know if this was even going to come up. Okay. Uh, so I'm not here self-promoting. I, I delete that. That's, <laughs> of course I'm promoting this show. This is the best thing I've ever freaking created. It's awesome, dude. It's it's really fucking good. And, and, and let me tell you what what I how, how I thank you. And this is what I think of it. It's a reference guide. In fact, I even say it in the introduction, which is uh, you know, if you think of a master craftsman, master craftsman, someone who builds amazing things, they have one hell of a toolbox. And they know those tools. They know what the tools do. They know them very well. They know what the tools 
they know the, the unique distinctions between one saw and 16 others. Like they might have 17 saws in their toolbox. And, you know, all those saws do fundamentally the same thing, which is cut stuff. But they do it different. They cut different stuff and they cut them in different ways. And some one saw is perfect for one job, whereas another is perfect for an other job. And, uh, you know, and, and, and being able to have access to those tools and having practiced utilizing them and, and mastered the use of them then permits that master craftsman to create things of beauty and magnificence and excellence with speed and fun. And, and that, that's the analogy that I use for, there's 52 mantras in here and every one is a tool. Fundamentally, right? Like all the saws cut stuff. Well, fundamentally the through line for all the, 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 the mental toughness mantras which, by the way, if anybody is familiar with the way I'm using the term mantra, use it as a short phrase that contains encyclopedic volumes of wisdom that can serve you in elevating your state. And that is the through line, that all the mantras help you elevate your state so that you are the craftsman of your life, the master craftsman. So the, the higher my vibe or the higher my emotional state the faster I am able to create excellence in my life with less effort. And that, by the way, is a definition of the zone and peak performance, right? Creating excellence faster with least effort, right? Greatest outcome, least effort. How do you know about the zone? What's your credibility? Well, there was a period of my career where I worked exclusively with elite athletes from all over the planet. And uh, help them perform better by strengthening the way that they use their minds. And I've and I really, I mean, I geeked out hard on studying this state, the zone, the peak performance state. You know, when when we're on fire, when we're just killing it, whatever it is, music, sport, dance, you know, giving a pitch, you know, a salesperson or a keynote talk, anything, anything that you can consider a performance, right? Artists, when they're in the zone, killing it, just absolutely on fire. I just love studying that. And you know what I've, I've come to believe, man, is that that's our normal. Everything other than that is us acting small. I really believe that we're designed to create excellence with least effort. Like, why would that, why would that be a part of life? If it wasn't what we were meant for, would it just be a tease? Like, yeah, you can have a taste of it and then we'll take that away from you. Now, I believe that that, that, is, that is our natural state is to, to, to be able to create excellence, uh, period. I'll just end it there. And of course it takes practice. So that's what, you know, that's what these, these, these mantras are. They're replacement phrases. Like I'll give you just a couple examples. Like the how, okay, this just opened up randomly. You're like, randomly. The how, the how is in the what. That's so great. So the number one obstacle that I've observed human beings coming up against in the creation of their desires or what, you know, whatever they want in their life is waiting unnecessarily, putting unnecessary time between themselves and their desires, not knowing they're doing it, but doing it right because of false beliefs. And one of the beliefs, the biggest belief, the biggest reason we put unnecessary time between ourselves and our desires is because we believe that we need to know how it's going to work. One of the things I love most about you is you don't give a shit about the hell. 
It's, it's true, man. You just, you get on a what? And it's like, how? I don't give a half a shit about you. I can't wait to have you show up, how? I'm waiting to see you with enthusiasm, but I'm not impatient about it. You know, the house. So I move you, what you do is you get it, you make a decision. You get a great idea and you move. You move <laughs> instantly, boldly. And it isn't even necessarily bold to you. It's bold to the onlooker, perhaps. But it's just like the move. Call Les Brown. All right. <laughs> Go throw a book at uh, Grant Cardona. No, who was that? Jo Joe Rogan. Yeah. Get on a boat and go throw a book at him. <laughs> <laughs> Try not to hit his dog. <laughs> Sorry, Marshall. Yeah. Why would I not do that? All right. Yeah. So it's like, the how, uh, how's this going to work? Then that, that creates pause. Like everyone, like we learned to, you know, when you start saying in an early age, even in your teens, like, you know, I, I things that you want, like, I want to be the president and an astronaut and, and, a, and a truck driver. Like, how, how are you going to, people say, how's that going to work? How's that going to work? And even by being asked the question, we're starting to learn that there must be some value in knowing the how. Am I supposed to know? The, I, I don't know the answer, but like by virtue of you asking it, maybe I should. And then we create pause you know so um yeah so that's like one of 52 mantras that will help so the house and the what and then when i read that it, it reminds me that i don't need to know how when i move forward in the direction of my desires the uh the mechanics are then activated so there's a sister mantra to that one or actually the original version of that mantra I learned from Deepak Chopra and he likes to fancify things and I like to super dumb shit down <laughs> and, and I love his stuff I mean he's one of my favorite people in history and uh, he says inherent within your desires are the mechanics for their own fulfillment so I just dumb that shit down and go to how's and the what <laughs> <laughs> but like I well, said right to wrap that just to put a bow on that little bit is like that's one of uh you know like the 52 there's you know of these short phrases that i can use in moments to remind myself to maximize the probability of getting back into the flow state elevating my state so i can flow it's synonymous with the zone flow is synonymous with the zone right so the more i elevate my no one in history has ever described a peak performance as a struggle ever and the reason is because it isn't it's never a struggle right and that's why the word flow you're working with working with what is you know when you ask a you know you like ask herbie hancock or you know after an incredible performance on keyboards like bro what the where'd that come from like that was amazing he's like yeah, i don't know <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't even kind of really remember it. I hope you taped it. <laughs> well, I love you for saying that, Chris. And I, I, I graciously receive and accept that wonderful compliment. I, I reckon a lot of that stemmed. I had a guy called Keith Abraham, who's an Australian motivational speaker, transformational speaker, one of the best. He was mentored by Zig Ziglar. And he says, I'm pretty sure it's his quote. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but it was in the, when the why becomes clear, the how becomes easy. Wow. Yeah, man. Amen to that. Love it. And, and so that was like a year and a half ago. Now I had already done some of those outrageous things 
And now it's gotten to a point where it's so normalized oh. that, that to make it dramatic, it has to be really uncomfortable in the best way possible. Sims. Steve Sims? Yeah. Steve Sims. I'm reminded of Steve Sims right now. Like his latest book, I have, which I don't have yet. I mean, it just came out. It's like something like Start With Stupid. Like crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, let's find it out while we're on here because he wrote a book called Blue Fishing, which yes. I recommend. And I know you'll recommend as well. He's, he was a guest on the podcast. And I think you've had him on yours as well. I've had him on twice. He's, he's, he reminds me of you in many ways in terms of, I mean, he's in English and you guys look nothing like each other. But if you look at you and you didn't know anything about you, you would make all these assumptions about being this big sports fan and love smoking cigars and having a beer. And then you realize that you studied in India with, like, with the top, like Maharaja, whatever they're called, the people over there that you hung out with. Who's the guy? The guy uh, that you reference all the time? Sri Bhagwan. That guy, yeah. Can't that remember his name. From the, from the one, it's yeah, from the oneness university in southern India. Like one of the most spiritual people on the planet. And, and you know, it's where you get, get a lot of your stuff from. That's Steve in some ways. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And what you were saying, <clears throat> um, well, okay. So what, 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 why I was reminded of Steve Sims right now is because he's a guy that gets possibility. Right. And, and uh, I love the, the, that he, he expects, and this is, this is you, man. Uh, that when there's an idea, there's a reason to have the idea because the idea is, is, I don't know if this is a word, but I'm making it up, manifestable. <laughs> it is now. It sounds like a Mr. Beast chocolate bar. <laughs> Mr. So, you know, like, why would we have an idea if it wasn't in some form? I think by virtue of even being able to have a grand idea, it is in some form available to us in this abundant universe in which we reside. And, and, but the conditioning of our past would have us not remember that. Okay. The conditioning of our past would have us, uh, in fact, do quite the opposite, which is to doubt. <clears throat> we've all been taught how to doubt. We've been taught what doubt is. We've been taught how to do it. And we practiced it and we're goddamn good at it, which is simply entertaining the possibility of not <clears throat> and, and doing it so much that we most of us have uh stopped having grand ideas because we're too busy surviving like our grand idea making machine has gone off turned off let me ask you this question what what are some what are some ways to identify that we are operating in this place of scarcity and fear and low vibration that we might think are normal and, and acceptable, if you know what and, I mean. Well, paying it, well, okay, answer this question. Is your life on your terms? Is my life- I'm not asking you. I'm not no, asking- No, no, no. I'm just going to say it again. Is my life on my terms? That's the question I'm asking everyone to be asking themselves. My definition of success is that, is having your life on your terms. I can't think of a better definition for success. I've coached jillions of uber wealthy people who you know didn't go to one of their son's basketball games or you know has sacrificed their greatest values for the accumulation of, of wealth 
uh, where's the success in that bullshit? So, uh, yeah, success is having your life on your terms. There's a story in my first book, uh, the creating your dream book. And it's funny. It's that the, cause the whole book is like about, you know, all this action, 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 you know, like establishing clarity on what you want and going and getting it. And then at the end, I throw in this monkey ranch. I'm like, yo, and by the way, you don't need any of that shit. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> like, have a nice day. Take it easy. <laughs> but I, I throw the story because I don't want to coach anybody into neurosis. Like, I don't want to feed the addiction for more for its own sake. We got enough of that. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to write a book or put any content out there that feeds the neurotic fire of, uh, I need to, I need, I should, I ought, I, well, right because the story the short version of the story that i'm referring to is it's actually if you google it you can find it's all over <clears throat> just put the uh, i think it's called the american tourist and the mexican fisherman Do, are you familiar with it i've i've heard you tell the story to me uh, and i've watched it told three or four times oh, but yeah. tell it tell it again well all right i'll read it to if you're you. happy to i'll just read it to you Okay. Go for stupid. The art of achieving go, ridiculous goals is Steve go Simpson. For, go for stupid. Yeah. Yeah. He 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 entitled Go for Stupid. He went when I interviewed him the second time, he he said that he said it this way though. Uh he said start with stupid. Like may, like meaning stupid, like that's a stupid, crazy, wild, wild, big ass idea. It's that's totally unrealistic. Okay, let's start with that. <laughs> And you know why I didn't finish? I'm glad you just said that. And I'll read the story in a second. Is that that's that's the thinking that he operates from, uh, and he creates. He just he's in the business of pulling off miracles for people, you know. And 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 he's operating from the assumption that of course we of course this can happen. You're like that. Harrison's like that. And and, and those are people I like to surround myself with. So here's here's the American tourist and the Mexican fisherman. All right. So this is a story about who's got shit. On their terms who's got life who's the success story in this damn deal all right there's two characters you decide and the author is unknown which is wild i would love to know the source of this it's great i reckon i know who the author is i'll tell you after you tell me the story Seriously? all right yeah man roger that cool uh an american tourist was at the pier of a small coastal mexican village when a small boat with just one fisherman in it docked and inside that boat or a, a whole bunch of large yellowfin tuna. The tourist, who by the way is this you know American business guy, complimented the Mexican on the quality of his fish and asked how long it took to catch him. And the Mexican fisherman said, just a little while. And the tourist asked then, well, why didn't you stay out longer and catch more fish? And the Mexican said, well, with this, I have more than enough to support my family's needs. And the tourist then asked, all right, what do you do with the rest of your day? And the fisherman said, I, I sleep late, I fish a little, I play with my children, I take siesta with my wife, Maria, I stroll into the village each evening, or I sip wine and play guitar with my amigos. I have a full and busy life. The tourist scoffed. I can help you. <laughs> you should spend more time fishing. And with the proceeds, buy a bigger boat. With the proceeds from the bigger boat, you could buy several boats. 
Eventually, you'd have a fleet of fishing boats. And instead of selling your catch to a middleman, you would sell directly to the processor, eventually opening up your own cannery. You would control the product processing and distribution. You could leave this small coastal fishing village, move to Mexico City, then LA, and eventually New York, where you could run your ever-expanding enterprise. Mexican fishermen responded, no. So how long would all that take? Tourist says, 15, 20 years. And then what? Asked the Mexican. Tourist laughed and he said, it's the best part. When the time's right, you'd sell your company stock to, to the public. You get really rich. You can make millions. Millions. Yeah. But then what? The American said, then you would retire. You'd move to a small coastal fishing village where you could sleep late, fish a little, play with your kids, take siesta with your wife, stroll to the village in the evenings where you could sip wine and play your guitar with your amigo. The, the American businessman theoretically is successful in the story, right? And we all know that he's, he's, he's an idiot. He's so entranced by the, he's so addicted to more for its own sake that he couldn't even hear when the fisherman said, I'm good, bro. My life is nice. I got it on my, my terms, man. I created the perfect design. And, and he just he scoffs and goes, starts doing you should. You should. <laughs> Do you want to know who I think the, the author yes. is? Yes, yes, yes. I reckon it's the Mexican fisherman. <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. The victor, the victor tells the story, right? Yeah. And it's so ironic that I'm broadcasting from a sleepy um, fishing village in Mexico. Yeah, how wonderful. It's so great. <laughs> oh, man, I, I don't think I'll ever get sick of hearing that story. It's so great and so yeah. so relevant. So, and yeah, so, like what, so back to, like, the why we were even talking about that story. It's like, you know, um, we get to, right? I, I, I live in a get-to world, not a have-to. Explain, explain. Yeah, well, you know, we, we're conditioned to believe that we should this, should that, should make more money, should be more productive, should get up earlier, should be in better shape, should this all should. And as my one of my favorite psychologists of all time, Albert Ellis said, stop shooting on yourself. You know, the should. We learn it's all self-shame and should. It's all a waste of this precious life that we have. So, you know, we get so busy you know, there was a guy came here one time for a coaching session. He flew from out of state. And, um, and I asked him, what are we creating here for you? And he said, I want $10 million in um, wealth. So great. All right, let's get after it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Before we start, though, um, uh, why? Like, I'm, I, I don't care what you want. Uh, I just want you to have clarity and then to have what you want. But but I feel like I'd, I wouldn't be serving you properly if I didn't ask what's behind that. Like Because like when you have the 10 million, then what's true? So long story short, what we ended up discovering uh, through simple inquiry, like what's behind the want, what's behind that, because then what, and then what will be true, is that he actually inherited that um, goal 
from his dad. Like that was a metric that would have his dad know that he was a good, valuable son. So his life was being governed by a bullshit belief. Governed. And, and he let go of that. Now, paradoxically, he has adopted a very similar mission years later, born out of get to. Born out of desire as opposed to neurotic need. And I'm convinced that that's how we're, that's how we all deserve to live. Is, is to look, look, dude, look at the goddamn math. All right, on on you even happening for God's sake. It's like zero. There's a guy that did the math. His name is Ali Benazer, A L I last name B I N A Z I R. Google that, but put in Ali Benazer. What are the odds? And you'll come up with a cool, funny, entertaining, and mind-blowingly poignant PDF where he illustrates the math on the odds of you occurring. The odds of any of us occurring exactly as we are. The bottom line is it's, it's, it's like you are a 1 in 10 to the 2.7 millionth power. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> All right? The, the, to try to make sense of it, he creates an analogy. Right, where it's like get two million people together, give everybody dice, one. Everybody gets one die. But instead of the numbers one through six, these special dice have the numbers one through one trillion. Trillion. Okay. Air horn blows, all two million people toss their dice, right? They cast them all, they're bouncing off each other all over the place. And everything finally, the two million dies settle, and they all came up the same goddamn number. That's the odds of you. Oh, winning. <laughs> we got into the impossible party. Why ruin it with neurotic need? Let's have our whole magical, incomprehensibly improbable experience here. <laughs> Be one big damn celebration of get to. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Very small chance. And you, you hit that. You, hit the, you, won, you won the most improbable lottery in the universe. Well, I can't say that with certainty, but it's one, it's got to be one of. <laughs> do, you, do you believe in God? Uh, yes, certainly not in a conventional way. Um, my belief in God is more of a scientific belief. It's supported by a quantum physics, yeah, you know, where uh, everything is energy. And God is the is is the is the energy that like you know what what is it that creates heat? If I hold my hand up to yours and there's heat between those two hands, that energy. What's what's circulating my blood? What's having the tree grow? Right? Like what is what you know? It, so to me, God, you are, I, we, everything is God. We're uh, the the beautiful energy localized into different forms right so i mentioned quantum physics the most like you study the, the the science of the most basic of what exists it's the quark at least as far as we know now i think and this is a boundless vibrating energy field that's all anything is just localized some of it's localized into the, the skin encapsulated ego i got that from wayne dyer uh that's called laban 
Some of it's localized into a blue plastic thing that we call pen, but fundamentally it's all energy expressed in different ways. And, uh, and I believe that death is the experience of going back into the non-local realm and continuing to experience, uh, uh, I'm not sure what the next word would be, but everything as, uh, as an expression of God. Yeah, it's interesting. And the reason I ask is this plant medicine experience that I did with my wife recently, Anna, you know, I met during the psilocybin component, we did penis envy mushrooms, which are the most, one of the most powerful psychedelic uh, psilocybin that exists. What were they called? Penis envy. I wasn't sure if that's what you said. It's what I said. Yeah. Because they look like penises. I didn't come up with a word. Someone else came up with a word. And, and uh, on that journey, I met my creator or mm. what, or what my creator wanted me to see of that version of him right and i had this experience chris i was this i had covers over my eyes so my eyes were shut it was darked out music was playing and what i witnessed was such intricate detail I, i it's impossible for me to even explain what happened but it was so powerful that it literally, for the first time in my life, I literally had my breath taken from me. As in this, as in my breath was taken away, like that, that phrase, right? Take my breath away. Uh-huh. And and I had like four or five of these, these cycles. And at the end of every cycle, some of them would have my breath taken away. Yeah, I would be thanking. There was an overwhelming sense of love that I experienced, like a love that I've never felt in my life before. Oh. And like maybe the love that you feel when you're a baby in the womb. I don't know. I can't remember that far back. And I was grateful. I said, thank you. Oh. And there was some laughter at times as well. And uh, one of the most profound experiences of my life, I don't know, some people listening might be going, well, you were just off your head. I failed to see how nature could create what I witnessed by accident. Wait, wait, wait. Can you repeat that? I failed to believe that nature could create what I witnessed by accident. Oh, yeah, that's a great sentence. Nice. Very nice. Right, right. And uh, changed me forever. And it, it destroyed the minutiae that I was caught up in at the time. And uh, powerful, powerful experience. Um, you reminded me of a, a, there's another book that I wrote that I never published. And it's about my first trip ever to Cabo San Lucas, Mexico. You ever been to Cabo? Not yet. Uh, I consider it to be one of my spiritual stomping grounds now, which is kind of funny because it's really a very decadent place where people go to party their asses off golf and it's one of the best fishing places on earth. If you're a fisherman and you haven't gone to Cabo, go. Uh, I had an experience there, though. <clears throat> My first trip, you totally just reminded me of it. It was a week-long <clears throat> trip of an extreme emotional uh, roller coaster, like ups and downs for me. I was desperate at the time. I'd just been dumped by the best-looking woman I've ever met. I was all wrapped up in that ego bullshit, you know, 
and she was there. Our, the, the plan was for us to go together initially, and then then she dumped me, <laughs> and I and I like a like a stupid needy creepy idiot chose to still go, and thank God I did, knowing full well that this is going to be some chaos. But I'll I'll work through it, and I did. And I brought I brought books like this. I brought I brought this book, this very book, with me, The Mastery of Love. Thank God. I brought Osho with me. Uh, so I did some really good, healthy studies while I was there, and I also created some really, really, really bad shit, like you know, <laughs> creepy lick knob. And uh, so I had some really high ups, and my first book had just come out, so I was giving it away to people, and it was, there was just beautiful moments followed almost instantaneously by pure chaos and suffering. And... Uh, and it was really bad. I had my first and only ever panic attack. I created that for myself uh, on the beach. Strange place to have a panic attack, isn't it? Yeah, it's a place called, um, I think it was The Office, which is a beach bar down there at, the, at Madonna Beach. It's really, it's like, you know, there's, speaking of penises, <laughs> there was a damn... <laughs> You know, there was a bachelor party over there, and then there was a bachelorette party over there, and all bachelorette, you know, party attendees were drinking through penis straws. And I was seeing no humor in any of that. I was only seeing horror. They're having fun, and I'm miserable, and I just thought my way straight into panic, and uh, which was a powerful experience. But anyway, towards, at the end of the week, after incredible, I, I don't know that I ever created so much suffering for myself in such a little period of time. But it was also coupled with some of the most beautiful moments of my life of connecting with strangers and finding love and just sweetness, you know, kindness and compassion and service and community. Uh, I had an epiphany at a club. I was standing upstairs at this, it's called Squid Row. That's <laughs> some stupid fucking nightclub it's actually a restaurant it's pretty cool at night it turns into a dance club and it has an open roof you see the sky for part of it and i was upstairs uh, and i thought i was really happy that this week was coming to a good end i was finishing on a very high note and i knew that my uh ex-girlfriend had already left so i couldn't go like trying to find her like a desperate creep that i was being so that was over and i felt like relieved of that and then uh, so i'm standing up there just enjoying i'd gone fishing that day and i caught all these fish and I gave the fish to the fishermen and they were so happy to be able to take all this great tuna home. And it was really spectacular and beautiful. I was like, I was just floating, man. And then walks my goddamn ex. And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. She was supposed to have left. I extended my stay an extra day so I could have the experience alone and not distracted. Where is she? Where is she? She's getting laid. Somebody else, what is going on? You know, and she walks in with this dude. And she sees me, so she knows I'm there, look, looking down on the dance floor. And she starts straddling him, knowing I'm looking. <laughs> and I'm like, all that peace started falling right away, gone, replaced with rage. And I actually had the idea it could be a good moment to kill someone. I mean, I, I was going that direction. I thought, we got two options here. Go kill him. Spend the rest of your life in a Mexican prison. It's an option A. Or surrender. 
stop trying to change shit, stop struggling against reality. And I chose the latter. Happy about that choice. <laughs> Me too. Thank you. <laughs> and that's when I had the moment like that, that you just reminded me of with your ayahuasca experiences, meaning God, because that's how I describe it when I write it. So I looked up and I said, I'm done. You got me. Done. Done trying to manage shit. Done trying to change shit. Done trying to, done struggling against what is working with. And I had an experience that might be somewhat similar, probably it sounds like similar to yours, which was a washing over of me of pure serenity peace, lightness of being, connectedness. I started looking around. I actually had, I loved, I had love for them. Seriously, I start. I, I was looking, I go, this is a beautiful human who's getting needs met. It's been it's wonderful. It was a shift. It was amazing. It was ridiculously good. And I'm looking out front, you know, and there's, there's like, you know, lots of uh, tourists with, with cameras taking pictures as if we're like zoo animals in there, which we kind of were acting like. And, uh, and I had nothing but love for them and everyone. And then came along this waitress that was cool, Raina, who I'd met earlier in the week. And we ended up going out to dinner and have a great time. She taught me how to salsa dance. And she just came over and stood next to me. Didn't say a damn thing. It was so beautiful. It was like she somehow knew I was having some epiphanal experience. And she just stood and we smiled and just kept on looking at people experiencing life. And I have never been the same since then. I've never been the same. And so from that Osho book uh, that I brought with me on that trip, which is called something like love, freedom, aloneness. I think it's called that. Uh, there's this great phrase, which is loneliness is the absence of the other. Aloneness is the presence of one's self. And when I feel that aloneness, it's it's actually uh, it's connectedness. It's synonymous with infinite connectedness, and that is my definition of God, right there. It's connectedness. Amen, brother. Amen is right. <laughs> There's nothing else to say to that. Damn, I went deep. That's powerful stuff. And just to clarify for the audience, it was uh, it was mushrooms, um, psilocybin, not not um, ayahuasca. My, oh, my, did I say ayahuasca? Yeah, it's okay. I just, uh, my views are shifting. drugs in your mouth. Yeah, my views are shifting on ayahuasca a little bit. I want to, I haven't done it yet. And before I even go near it, I will, uh, I want to do a lot more reading. Maybe that's it. Because it's funny, Chris, like when you are clean of alcohol and drugs and like six plus years and then you you go into this the ceremony realizing you're going to be putting the stuff in your body intentionally it's like is this falling off the wagon and you realize very quickly that it's nothing to do with that right right okay what do you mean i have an idea of what you mean but I, again i don't want to put more words no in i really it, i took me a few months to to really grapple with it and i was like what is that what is this is this a deep subconscious you know, enough time has gone by where this could be a great excuse to get fucked up. You know what I mean? And then, and I realized the reasons that I was doing it, they're, they're fundamentally around um, knocking, ticking everything else off for Anna and I to, to, to get to the root cause of making a baby oh. and clearing. Cause it was, it was oh. with Dr. Roxanne Beck who does sexological stuff. So there was tantra and clearing away intergenerational trauma and 
sexual trauma and all this other, all this other stuff. Like, and that was one one small part of a twenty four hour period that we spent with her and did deep deep healing and meditation. And uh, it was uh, I'm I had no qualms with it now at all. I and I still say that I'm six years sober because I am. Of course, it's, a, it's, a, it's that that's my that's my, you know. That's my thing. Oh yeah, like you know, I read your amazing book and um, <laughs> great stories. Uh, what a great opening to that goddamn book. <laughs> but yeah, that's all about like that 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 use of substance is self medicating pain, medicating pain. My understanding of w- what you're driven by now is exploration of consciousness. Spot on. Yeah. Spot on. Chris, how do people get a hold of you, brother? Yeah, my website, thank you for asking that. Is, uh, my website's cool. Uh, I love it. It's it's really informative. Um, it's ChristopherDoris.com. And, and one of the, the second greatest creation of my life, close second to the mantras book, is uh, called The Daily Dose. Uh, the, the long version of that is the daily dose mental toughness tips in 30 seconds or less. And you can, if you go to my homepage, and and then just put in your it'll be a box right there on the right side of the deal the homepage uh, name and email click and then you, you what'll happen is at 6 a.m. wherever you are in the world every day of the year right around 6 a.m. you'll get a uh, an email from me called the daily dose and it's a snippet like I'll read one just my daily dose book missing MIA oh there it is. So it's like if people are looking at this, look, these are tiny little snippets. What I did was I took all these mental toughness constructs, ideas, disciplines, practices, and then I thought I reduced them, reduced them, reduced them, reduced down to like their most fundamental, like neutron star density reduction, you know, into something that's consumable and digestible in less than 30 seconds. And uh, so, like, here's one. What if you totally changed your story to something like, I love discomfort so much so that I seek it out daily in an effort to ensure that not one day of my life passes during which I don't experience some amazing growth or personal development. So it's a thought. So you just flip it up, you know, it's like that. So you get one of these uh, in your mailbox every morning, so give you something to think about, remind you to you know get to start your day off with uh high grade states or or good you know um exploration so you can you could i encourage people to do that is to get the daily dose but the the website is the best place to get in touch you can reach out if you have a question or or a statement if you want to berate me yeah we we haven't even covered 10 percent of the amazing cd do you have any concluding thoughts for our audience today yeah this is a piece of, this is a suggestion that I make all the time. I've made it probably three times today uh, in different contexts, one in a workshop and a coaching session is uh, eliminate complaining from your life. Start doing that. Like start eliminating complaining. It's a practice that makes us stupid. Whatever minimal value we get out of complaining, because there is value or no one would do it, uh, is far outweighed by the uh, expense. So it's a terrible investment of psychic or psychological time and energy. And it basically, fundamentally, a complaint is struggling against reality. And as Byron Katie says, that's the battle you will lose, but only 100% of the time. 
And it takes away from our creative genius. I am convinced that we're, well, we're miracles, right? We did the math on that a minute ago, and which means we're designed to create miracles. The end of that, there's no discussion. <laughs> this is a fact. We are miracles designed to create miracles. Complaining has us deactivate all forms of creative genius. Enthusiasm, on the other hand, is a smarter choice, <laughs> right? The word enthusiasm itself comes from the Greek word entheos, which breaks down into the creator within. Theos, creator, en, inside, right? Replace your complaints with expressions of genuine gratitude and enthusiasm. Do the practice. If scientists are correct, we, we complain once every 11 seconds. Mm? Right? So, and 99% of our complaints happen silently in our minds. They never make it into the physical spoken world. So just pay attention. Pay attention to when you go, that, that, that's me having a problem with what is. Right? Take the cap off my highlighter and put some orange ink on my finger. Why? Why is that? Why? Stop. Let's start stopping that and replacing it with what can I create from this? What can I create from this? Or, oh, how, how interesting. Experiment with that. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Doris. I got superpowers, superpowers. Working seven days a week and 24 hours. Yup, I got the business saying this boy sure is up to something. Why don't you come and listen? Just don't hit the power button. They say I'm crazy when I say I got the superpowers. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com.